much I love Christmas hymns, Christmas songs. And uh, boy, that reminds me of uh, just being a baby Christian. I, I came across that song when I was probably in my early 20s. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. Amen. On earth, there is no power, there is no depth or height that could ever separate us from the love of God in Christ. I hope you have the Christ. Amen. I hope you have the promised one. Tonight, we're going to have a cantata, and, the, uh, and it's entitled Promised One. And boy, you know, we're really beginning to lay hold more and more on the promises of God from the Word of God. Um, all God is asking us to do is believe Him at His Word. Just believe Him at His Word. Let God speak to you. It isn't about what I would say. It isn't about what someone else would say. It doesn't, there's no sense in fussing or fighting or arguing. Just open the Word of God. Be honest with yourself and let, on, let God be honest with you. And He will rescue you from you and give you peace that passes understanding. And He can so work in our hearts and lives that He can make us the kind of men and women that we would never be able to make ourselves. That He could so change us that the people around us would see the difference and comment. It would be remarkable, honestly. And it is remarkable. And I'm so thankful for the change, the difference in our lives of what I see God doing in our church family and in the individual. Okay, so we're going to lay uh, the study of 1 Peter aside for the next couple of weeks here in the month of uh, uh, December, and we're going to look at the coming of the Christ. We're going to look at the birth of our Lord Jesus on different levels. I have a very limited opportunity to preach in the month of uh, December because of our calendar. We have a lot of like for example, this afternoon at 5 o'clock we'll be here for the cantata next Sunday morning. We'll have the children's program. I'm really looking forward to these, and I hope that you are also. Um, I think it's an important time of year for us to be able to spend with loved ones, to be able to bring them and say, come, come hear the cantata. I think it'll be a blessing to you. You heard one of the songs to this morning. I'm really looking forward to all of it put together uh, this afternoon. And then next week, of course, we'll have our children's uh, program. And part of the children's program has been recorded uh, this year, so I think part of it will go right, that means, because I imagine they did cut and started over again whenever they needed to. But don't worry, there'll be enough live children's functions going on next Sunday that something will go wrong. So you can come and, and you can be involved in that and watch the children be the children that they are and praise God for our children. Um, today's my uh, granddaughter's second birthday. And... Uh, I walked down, she was already in the uh, nursery, and I was going to go down and say uh, happy birthday to her, and I noticed she was sitting there with a bunch of other children, and they were playing, and I thought, oh, it'll be so disruptive if I walk in. So I just adored her from afar for a couple of minutes. Amen. <clears throat> Open your Bible with me, if you would, <clears throat> to John <clears throat> chapter 3. I apologize, I'm a little under the weather. John chapter 3. John read um, John chapter 3, verse 16. How, how uh, what's the word we would say? How unique that we would use John 3, 16. Probably never heard anybody preach out of John 3, 16 before in your life. <clears throat> what I want you to recognize in, in uh, John 3, 16 is the, is the word uh, gave. Gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever 
believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Our Father, I thank you for the offering that has been made on our behalf. Lord, I pray that everybody here, everybody that hears my voice, that they would receive this free gift that is offered to us because of what was offered for us. Lord, I ask you to help us to see this together this morning, that we would understand what it is that you're wanting to, wanting to cause us to uh, believe, what it is that you want us to trust you for, what it is you want to rescue us from, and really what it is that you want to bring us unto. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, I read something. It came to me probably yesterday, I think. And it was talking about some of the um, uh, things that happen at Christmas time. Some of the traditions, I guess we would say, that we have at Christmas time. It was pointing out that the, the cutting down of the tree pictured the dying of our Lord Jesus and us setting it up again in our house was a picture of us having new life because he died and was resurrected. It pointed out the, uh, the candy canes are a shepherd's crook and that they are um, red and white for the blood and the purity. Just different things like this. And as I was... And then it said, basically, at the end, it said, so as you're moving around from place to place uh, this year, getting your gifts and getting your food together, just stop and think about why it is that we have Christmas, why it is that we celebrate uh, this time of year. What it is, what does Christmas really mean uh, to us? Now, gift-giving in America is obviously a big part of Christmas. When I was growing up, I guess it would be accurate to say that I knew very little about the Christ, and I knew very much about what it was I wanted for Christmas. I don't know anybody else grew up like that at all, right? Very little about the Christ, very much about what I wanted for Christmas. Christmas to me was waking up early on uh, December 25th and going out, you know, my, 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 we've talked a lot of times in the past, I believe, about the difference between the way my wife's family celebrates Christmas, very orderly, very neat. Uh, they have breakfast together. They do, I mean, just, and then they all open one gift at a time and everybody, and my family, everybody ran downstairs in their pajamas and just tore through everything that had your name on it. You know what I'm saying? I might be overstating it, but not by a lot. Uh, that was the difference between those two things. But I knew very little. I knew very little, if, if anything, really, other than the story itself. And I considered it really just to be a story. I didn't really understand what it was that we are celebrating when we celebrate the birth of the Christ. Now, the wonderful thing is the hymns, the songs that we sang together this morning, boy, didn't they do a wonderful job of helping us to enter into who the Christ is 
what that means to us. Amen? Just, just, just one after another, after another, after another. You just have the idea, oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Amen? Oh, come, let us adore him. In one of it, it was talking, one of the hymns that we sang, it was talking about all the nations coming together and worshiping the Christ. And I was just thinking about how unfortunate it is for America, how she's rejected the Savior. In fact, we've so rejected the Savior as a nation that we teach in the school that there's not even a God, that we're just some cosmic accident. And the idea of even, the idea of even presenting to the children in, 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 uh, in science class that, well, maybe this was created by a God that loves us is not even allowed, not even allowed. Can't even tell the children that. Because that's, you know, they can, have their, they can have their fairy tales on Sunday if they want to. But here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're dealing with facts. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus is the Christ. He really did create everything. And He is coming again. And there is a judgment day coming. Those are facts. And, you know, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not here this morning to preach about uh, false science. You know, the sciences that we have that disregard the, the evidence, if you will. Um, there's not millions of years, there, you know, I, mean, I'm, I just so much I'd like to mention concerning this, but I don't want to focus on that. But I really believe that this is a great opportunity this morning for us to understand the difference between the free gift that God has given us and what it cost that we might have that gift. If you turn to Ephesians, you're in uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. But if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, while you're turning, I wonder if my voice sounds as funny to you guys as it does in my ears. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Maybe you could underline that, the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation. Salvation is the gift of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, says verse 9, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So not only, not only is our salvation, hear me, please hear me, not only is our salvation a gift from God, our new life afterwards is a gift from God, a daily gift from God every day after you were born again. The, the, not only the willing, not only the strong desire that you now have within you to live differently than you did before, but the power to live that daily is yours as a gift from God by the Holy Spirit that lives within you, empowering you, causing you not only to have a new mind concerning this and a new heart concerning this, but a new desire of life, a new strong desire in how you're going to live and how you're going to do the things that, that are before you now. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You and I... I have nothing to brag about. Well, I do have something to brag about, right? 
According to 1 Corinthians, if we're going to boast, you want to brag, if any man will glory, the word there that is used is glory, but it's the same word as boast. If any man wants to glory, if you want to brag, if you want to boast, please do. But while you're, when you're bragging, just brag on Jesus. Just brag on the grace of God. I know I've shared this in, uh, a few times before, but it really causes me to go back in my mind. Uh, Spur- Spurgeon was doing a series of messages uh, on uh, God's, God's salvation. The series was God's salvation. And somebody came up to see him afterwards and he said, you keep emphasizing God's part in your salvation. Why don't you talk for a little while about your part in your salvation? And he said, my part was to run as hard and as fast away from God as I could. Why would I want to talk about that? He said, that was my part. My part was a selfish part. God's part was a selfless part. God's part was a great part. Amen? Not of works. A steady man should boast. We are his workmanship. Boy, this is such a tremendous thing. Please, please, listen, hear me. Church members are not meant to be the, the workmanship of the pastor or the church that they go to. They are meant to be the workmanship of the one that saved them. See, he's the author, right? He's the beginner of your faith, but he's also the finisher. He's the author and finisher of your faith, of your life. When it says your faith, it's not just the power to believe that he's the author and finisher of. That's not what it means. It does mean that, but it means far more than that. He is the author and finisher of how you began and how you will finish. Hear me, listen, this is so important. If the author of your salvation was an altar call, just an altar call, you heard, you were convicted, and you walked forward, and you felt bad, and, and the preacher said some things, and you repeated some things. If that, if that is the beginning of your salvation, I'm concerned for you about your salvation. Your salvation had to be where you met God, where you were aware of your sin personally. You were aware that you have earned the judgment, right, for the wages of sin is death. That you had earned that, but the gift of God was eternal life through Jesus Christ, his, our Lord. When you realize that, listen, salvation requires no minister. Do you understand? Because there's one minister that ministers salvation, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, it's okay that, a, that, a, that another man or woman, that someone would point you in the right direction and be there with you maybe while you pray. But if they have anything to do with your salvation, you've got a terrible salvation. Christ is the Savior. For by grace that you save through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now turn to Romans, I just quoted it, but turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. In verse 23. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And here's the thing, okay, how many of you, how many went to work this week? Raise your hand if you went to work this week. Okay, put it back down. How many of you are planning on going to work next week? Raise your hand if you're planning on going to work next week. If they told you, if you got a phone call today and they said, we'd like you to still come in to work this coming week, but there will be no wages. How many of you are going to go to work? Some of you still want to work. Some of you are in the government, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about, I said, uh, I said, how was work? And they said, well, it's work. 
And it is. And work is work. That's work is work. But there are wages for our work, right? You know, they, you know, there's a phrase that says, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I don't know who has that job, but not many people that I know, right? Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But we work for wages. Now, here's what it says. Look, let's look at what it says in verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Here's the problem with sin. Here's the problem with selfishness. Here's the problem with it. It earns you something. But what it earns you is death. But what does the verse say after that? Boy, what, you might want to underline this. I know I'm getting you to underline a lot of things, but this is important. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Amen? But the gift, so what have I earned? Death. How can I get out of this? Well, I can't earn my way out of it, obviously. I, well, all I'm earning is more death. Well, how can I get out of it? And here's the answer. You can receive the gift. You can receive the gift. Amen? You can receive the gift. And what is the gift? Well, the gift of God is eternal life. Right? We, we just saw that. Uh, by grace are you saved through faith. That's the gift. So salvation is a gift. And where does it come from? Both of the verses make it very, very clear. And John 3.16 makes it very, very clear. All of this is in Christ. Period. Do you understand? Hear me. Not in a Baptist church. Not through a Baptist church. Not through any other church. Through Jesus Christ. Amen? We're here. We're here. Tidewater Baptist Church is here. Because Jesus is who he says he is. Period. Amen? We're not always right. We want to do the right thing in all things. You know, we have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of leadership in the church. There are a lot of things that have to be done. We want to do the right thing. We prayerfully try to do those things, try to do them in humility, try to do them with the wisdom of God. But we're not perfect, but Jesus is. Amen? He's a great Savior. He's a perfect Savior. He's done everything that needs to be done. And that's really what I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. That's what I want us to talk about together this morning. That's what the Lord has burdened my heart for you to understand. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to look at the difference between a gift, and this is important, a gift and an offering, okay? Between a difference between a gift and an offering. What I'd like you to do is turn back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And verse 3. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. So we're really early, right? Genesis chapter 4. It's not even that far after the fall. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Underline that. Brought an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So both of these men brought an offering. They brought an offering. Now, why is this significant? Why is this significant? Because there's a difference between a gift and an offering. You understand? Boy, you, you will. If you don't, you'll understand. You can bring a gift to God if you want to. You can. When you sing from your heart, that is a gift from you to God. When you raise holy hands, 
When you just stand before God without anything to give him, what can you really give him, by the way? What are you going to give God, right? What are you going to give him? But you stand before God and you humble yourself and you acknowledge his greatness and you sing praise to him from your heart. That is a gift and God receives that. But hear, hear this. If you think it justifies you, you've mistaken that for an offering. You are not justified by your service. You are not justified by the raising of holy hands. You are not justified by your singing. You are not justified by your baptism. You are not justified by your tithes and your offerings. Those, those are not what justify you. Cain, and again, I don't have time, to, I really don't have time, but you, I really think it's significant and you need to understand that Cain's offering was probably the most incredible basket of fruits and vegetables that have ever been seen on planet Earth in one place. When he brought this, he purposed before he brought it that he was going to bring it. And I believe he selected the very best. Now, by the way, what was his occupation? What did he do for work? He was a tiller of the ground, right? He was a farmer. And I believe as it was growing, he said, you know what? I want a relationship with God. I believe, it. I believe the Bible bears this out. I want a relationship with God. I want to draw close to God. And, but I realize if I'm going to draw close to God, I need to bring him something so I can draw close to him. You know what I'm going to bring him? I'm going to bring him the best that I can produce. And he did. And God said, I, you can't come like that. You can't come like that. And Abel came by blood. Right? And Abel came by blood. And I don't know that Abel understood everything. I really don't know what Abel understood. But I know he knew his parents had been covered by the skins of the animals that had to shed their blood to cover them when they tried to cover themselves. And Abel came by the blood of a lamb. And God said, I respect that. I'll receive that. That's an offering. That's an offering by faith, picturing the blood that is going to be shed for you in the future. And here's what God said to Cain. We're not going to, go, we're not going to read all the way through it right now. But God did not say this to Cain. Cain, one of your apples had a worm in it. Get rid of that apple. Bring another apple. We'll be fine. That's not what he said. I don't believe that. Honestly, I do not believe there are any blemishes. And by the way, they were, they were actually organic fruits and vegetables too. And they were beautiful, okay? They didn't have to have any chemicals added to them to keep the bugs off of them or anything. They were beautiful fruits and vegetables. And God said to Cain, Cain, you can't come by your good works. But you can come, Cain. Just come the way Abel came. Just come by the blood. If you'll come by the blood, I'll receive you too. Amen? So, there's a difference between, now let's, I want you to see this in the New Testament. Turn, if you would, to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, because this, what we're looking at right now comes up in Hebrews chapter 11. Because that's how God does these things. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. By faith, by faith. Right? You're saved. How? By grace through faith. Yes? So this is what we're looking at. This whole chapter, all of chapter 11, are people who believed God. What God wants you to do, you, listen, listen. Jesus has done all of the work 
necessary for your salvation. God wants you to trust him. That's what God wants. All you can do, all I can do, but all we're asked to do. Now, why is it this way? Because anybody, anybody can trust God. Anybody. If it were hard, it would exclude someone. But it isn't hard, except for the fact that it's humbling. Yes? To not be able to earn your wages. Listen, I can earn my paycheck, but I cannot earn my salvation. And when you find out that you cannot earn your salvation, you have one of two things you can do. Either be upset, whoever told you that, or at God. Or you can humble yourself and receive the free gift. Because you can't earn your salvation, but you can receive the free gift. You can believe God at his word. What does it say about Abel? By faith, Abel offered. This is important, right? It's an offering, not a gift. By faith offered unto God a more excellent what? Sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Now listen, this is so important and significant because, listen, really hear hear me. When, When Cain gave away the fruit, he looked on the vegetables, he looked at that as that was his sacrifice for God, right? I, listen, I'm telling you, there are Baptists today who think their salvation has to do with the fact they got up and went to church on Sunday. And they got baptized and they give from the money that God puts into their hands. They think they have a part to the things that they're doing. In their, that's just Cain worship. Just Cain worship. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What did, what did, what did, what did Abel offer? Well, Abel offered blood, but he didn't have to shed it. No, an innocent animal died on his behalf, and he trusted this sacrifice. He trusted this substitution because he realized this is what God is talking about. This is how salvation comes. And by the way, Abraham understands this, and he's going to say God will provide himself a lamb. He's going to provide himself a lamb. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Our Lord Jesus Christ has come to be that Lamb. Now we're going to talk this morning, I want to talk this morning just a little bit. We're going to go from here and look at Jesus. Listen, hear me. Jesus is going to make the offering for you. Okay? All you have to do is accept it and receive it. Jesus is going to be the offering, and he is going to be the one who is bringing the offering. He's going to be the lamb and he's going to be the priest bringing the offering. You understand? So what's left for you and I to do? And here's the answer. Nothing. Except for trust him. Yes? It is humbling. It really is humbling. But I'm okay with that. Once you've humbled yourself, you're okay with it. Once you realize, I do not want, I do not want to, as, as the Apostle Paul said, I do not want to stand before God in my own righteousness but the righteousness which is of faith. I want to trust God at what he says and what he has done. Go to Hebrews chapter 8 with me, if you would. Hebrews chapter 8. We'll just take a couple of minutes. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Sorry, I'm turning there in my actual pages. It takes me longer when I use the pages. Hebrews chapter 8. In verse 1. And we're obviously jumping into the middle of something, but we have to, to start somewhere. Now the things which we have spoken, and boy, when you're teaching the book of Hebrews, you can't wait to get to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. 
Now, the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. You want to know how the, what this all adds up to? You know, the other day my wife was uh, working in, in Excel, and she wanted to be able to have a, a, a field that would give her what something else was minus a certain number. And she said, isn't there a, just a button I can click to get, a, to get the answer with, you know, in minus? I said, no. And she said, well, what about this one right here? This one works. I said, that's called autosum. And she said, right. I said, what's well, an autosum? I said, you can add up a whole bunch of numbers right above it, and it will do that for you. But if you want to subtract a specific number, you have to do a little formula. Say, oh, I want these numbers minus either this cell or this number. Some of you understand Excel, right? This is the sum. Of all the things that we've talked about before, this is what it adds up to. This is what it adds up to. Here, we have such a high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is necessary that this man, the Lord Jesus himself, have somewhat also to offer. So, if Jesus is going to be our high priest, he's going to need an offering. Amen? Right? Now, what were the offerings of the priests on earth? What did they bring? What did they bring? Anybody want to tell me? Just give me one, eye, one thing that the priests on earth brought. Bulls? Anybody else? Lambs? Goats? Doves? Right? Lots of things. They brought those. Yes? And this passage is going to address that. They brought those things. So they had something that they were bringing. And what did it do? And what did it do? By faith, it temporarily removed sin. Yes? But they had to keep bringing them. 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 But praise God, after the blood of Christ is shed, there's no more bringing them. Amen? No more bringing them. There is, it's, there is, ne there is never, ever, ever, ever going to be another sacrifice necessary. Because all of those were pointing forward to this one all of their listen all of their power all of their youth usefulness was in the fact that they pictured a far better blood that was coming later now listen you say well why what, then why could they bring a bull and why could they also bring like just little, two little turtle doves and what's the answer because if you can't afford to bring a bull you brought what two little turtle doves yes because everybody, hopefully, can afford two little turtle doves, and everybody would be able to come. Everybody could bring an offering and say, I know, I know that I have the wages of sin is death, and I've earned it. And these two little turtle doves, they've done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. I don't mean, they're just flying around doing their thing, and now here they are dying for me. Yes? You say, that's terrible. It is terrible. Sin is terrible. And God wanted us to understand that sin is terrible. But when Jesus dies, he dies to take away all our sin. All of it. Including all of the sin that people who brought the little turtle doves had committed. Amen? That's the power of Christ. If he were, if he were a priest on earth, he'd have to have something to offer. And it says in verse 4, For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest seeing there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. So in other words, Jesus, as a man, is not qualified to be a priest on earth. He's not a Levite. He can't even be a priest on earth. He can't bring their offerings. 
who serve, now this is their offerings, verse 5, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, God, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed unto thee in the mount. So everything that's going on in the tabernacle, and this is so important. You go back to the very beginning of man walking with God. There's this tabernacle and everything, they're do, everything in the tabernacle and everything they're doing in the tabernacle was laid out by, not Moses, not Aaron, by God. Yes? And they're doing it according to the pattern that they were shown. But the pattern was not the thing. It was just to show us the thing which is in heaven. And what this is, is what has to be done for us truly. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer his blood on our behalf. Go, now, from, now, by the way, you can read this later. Hebrews 8.1, we're in verse 5 right now. And you can read all the way through to Hebrews 9.9. 9, and we're just going to jump ahead right now. Go to Hebrews 9.9 9 with me if you would. It says, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinance opposed upon him until the time of reformation. So here's what we're saying. All of the, listen, this is so wonderful. God wants man to be able to approach him. He's always wanted man to be able to approach him. Sin has kept us from God. God said, I can make a way. Now, look, it's coming, it's coming, but I'll show you the picture of it. If you'll trust in the picture, you can be saved as you trust in the picture. In the same way that we're saved by trusting in the very reality. They were saved, on, they were saved by faith in a Messiah, a promised one, right? the Christ that was going to come. They knew he was going to come. They understood all of these pictures, the one that was going to come, and they trusted God in his word. Now, we just happen to know he already has come. We happen to know that his name is Jesus, that he's of Nazareth, that he has taken away the sin of the world. Amen? And he has saved his people from their sins. And we realize that and we recognize that. And not only that, we have this tremendous benefit. From the moment we trusted Christ for our salvation, the Spirit of God himself has come to live within us and change us. Now listen, here's, listen, please hear me. The greatest tragedy in American Christianity is that there are so many pretenders, one, people who go to church who are not new creatures, who do not have the Spirit of God living within them, Therefore, they say this and they say that, but they don't have the power to live that way. And people see that and think that's Christianity. Yes? Anybody, anybody familiar with that? I wanted nothing to do with church because of this. I wanted nothing to do with church because of the number of hypocrites that I knew, the number of people who had judgmental attitude about this sin or that sin, but didn't seem very friendly or loving or kind to me. You understand? You realize what I'm saying. But not only do, are there many of those people, there are many people who are truly new creatures who do not understand what the power of the Holy Spirit in them is trying to accomplish. If you want to see it, it's, it again, if you want to look at it, you can go to, if you go to Galatians 5.22, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, temperance. This is what God is really wanting to accomplish. Listen, hear me. Let me let's let, let, listen to this list again. Love, joy, peace. Let's just look at it. Let's go look at it. We're here. We have a Bible right in front of us, right? Go to Galatians chapter 5. 
This is so important, so very, very important. Because this is part of the gift. This is part of the gift of God, what God has given us. Galatians chapter 5. Right, the works of the flesh are above that, starting in verse 19. We won't look at them right now. It's not a very pretty list. But that's the works of our flesh. They include envy, drunkenness, reveling, witchcraft, hatred, idolatry, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, adultery, fornication. Just a terrible, terrible list. Yeah, that's us. That's us. But, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. If you're a new creature. Now, here's the funny thing. Cain tried to be justified by bringing a basket of fruit, if you will, right? And the only fruit that matters in your life, you can't produce. Do you understand? The only fruit that matters in your life, the Spirit will have to produce through you and in you. But notice what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Praise God. Again, just look at that list. Look at that list. You decide whether you're walking after the Spirit or after the flesh. You decide whether the power of God is really at work in your life. You decide. Listen, you know, I, I know I said this a lot of times, but if I were to stand each one of us up here one at a time and say, how is this list working out in your life, right? You would, I mean, you would just do what I would do, and that would be this. I would overstate the positive, right? Right? Say, Chuck, or oh, just use me, okay? How are, how's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance in your life. And I'd say, mm, on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say, sure, a scale of 1 to 10. A solid 6, right? right? You, 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 really, you start going 7, 8, 9, you really get nervous, amen? Anybody that says 10, you want to just throw out of the church immediately, right? It's like, really? Because I've not seen it, amen? So, but then if you said, well, instead of asking me, we're going to ask my wife and my daughter, right? We're going to ask the people around us who are around us all the time, now the number would get lower, wouldn't it? Yes? But listen, I know, I know it's your neighbors, your coworkers, your extended family members. It's all they're ever going to see. Right? It's all they're ever going to see. You may be the only, the only person in their life who purports to have the forgiveness of sins, to be a new creature. And it hurts them terribly when we walk after the flesh instead of after the Spirit. Because the truth is, you can be a child of God and still be selfish. Amen? But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You can humble yourself. As we said, in the same way that we humbled ourselves for salvation, we can humble ourselves and say, God, please work in me with a mighty power this outworking of the fruits of the Spirit in my life. This is, what, this is a gift. This is the gift of God. Listen, I'm telling you, the fruit of the Spirit is every much the same gift as your salvation was to begin with. This is what God wants us to understand. This is what God wants us to see. Now, let's go back to, so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll be done. Hebrews chapter 9. We were talking about the fact that the... Uh, the washings and the meat and all of those things, they didn't, they didn't make us perfect as pertaining the conscience, according to verse 9. But here's what it says in verse 11. So here, Hebrews 9, 11. Okay, I just want to make sure you guys, I know we turned our page. I want you guys to be able to find where we are. Hebrews 9, 11. But, but Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater 
and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained what? Eternal redemption for us. Amen? Now listen, listen. It's good that we give each other gifts. I believe it's good that we would even give gifts toward God, if you understand. But just realize your gifts don't justify you. This blood justifies you. This blood has purchased your eternal redemption. Amen? Amen? Now that may want you. Now what's interesting is Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, basically based on this exact truth, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Now here's the thing. There's a hymn that we sing, and I can't remember which one it is now, but it came to my mind the other day when I was, when I was, when I was going through these notes. There's a hymn that we sing that says, um, talks about what God has done for us, and it says, uh, what can I give him back, basically? You know, how can I repay him for what he's done? And just the idea of that started me to, started me to realize, wait, 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 I can't repay him. And it ends with this. It demands my life, my soul, my all. Your life, your soul, your all cannot repay what Jesus has done for you. Do you understand? Your life, your soul, your all, your heart, your service cannot repay what Jesus has done for you. So stop it. Stop it. If you're going to serve him, serve him because he's worthy of service. If you're going to serve him, serve him because he would have you to serve him. And he would have you to serve him. If you're going to be in service, by the way, your service is going to be to love others, to care for others, to be kind to others. That's what your service is going to be. To tell others about the goodness and greatness of the one that saved you. Amen? That's why, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. If when, from the time we were saved, we could be in heaven. Praise God, we could be. From the moment you were born again, you could be in heaven immediately completely justified because that's what happens at salvation but you're not you're here right now and if you're here you're here to bear witness to his greatness and his goodness by letting people see the fruit of the spirit in your life and when they see the fruit of the spirit in your life and talk to you about it you can say oh let me tell you about my jesus right yes you know i was over i was over at kathy german's mom and dad's house the other day and she was talking about a young lady, um, Jasmine. Jasmine was her name. She was one of the nurses. And she said, Jasmine was such, she said Jasmine, well not was. She was because she's moving to Tennessee. She, she's still a nurse. She said she was such a, such a loving nurse, such a kind nurse. Now how old's your dad? 75. Jasmine's taking care of a 75-year-old man whose mind is starting to go and whose body has really kind of already failed him, okay? And so she's giving him his, his daily care, taking care of him and the things that need to be addressed in his daily life. And she's doing so with dignity and honor. And she's doing so with love and compassion. And when, and when um, Mrs. Uh, Thompson, I want to call her German, when Mrs. Thompson was talking to her about what a wonderful young lady she was, she begins to talk about how great Jesus is. And you know what I said? I said, yeah, that's what you're seeing there, is when a young person surrenders their life early to the grace of God in their life. And instead of showing off their abilities, they humble themselves and serve the way God would have them. Because listen, it did not matter to uh, Mr. Thompson, that she was a good nurse technically. It mattered to him that she was a good nurse caringly, compassionately, 
That's what mattered. Now, now I really believe this. If you're going to walk compassionately, you will still do technically a good job. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're going to walk the way God would have you to walk, you're still going to be good at whatever you have for an occupation. You're still going to be good as a neighbor, as a cousin, as an uncle, whatever it is. Those things are going to be well in your life, but that's not the goal. The goal is the compassion that God wants to work in our hearts and lives, right? The goodness, the meekness, the temperance, the love, joy, peace. That's what God wants to accomplish. Amen? So hear me. This right here, having, go to verse 12, back to verse 12, 9, 12, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Eternal redemption purchases everlasting life. Yes, eternal redemption. And how is eternal redemption purchased? By blood. By Jesus' blood. Period. Right? Now, we're done. What this does for us is this. It sets us free from selfishness. It sets us free from performance. It sets us free from having to try to show off because I have nothing to prove to God. I have a complete salvation already. Amen? And I'm free now to love you. To love you. Listen, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just loved each other without flaw? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? But I promise you I'm going to love you with flaw. Okay? I'd like to not, but I'm me. But God help us that we would love one another. That we would never, never care anything about being justified by anything that we've done. We would always simply rejoice and so great a salvation that Jesus has already purchased for us. And that we would say, now Lord, as you saved me, change me. You did all of the saving, you do all of the changing. I will humbly submit myself to let you do what needs to be done in my life. And praise God by the how, listen, Jesus made it very clear. Look, it's expedient for you guys that I go away. I need to go away because if I don't go away, I can't send the comforter. And you need the comforter. Why? Because I don't have the power within me to do what I'm supposed to do. Amen? It, would be, it was great when Jesus was walking around showing the power of God to everybody. It's like, wow, look at Jesus. Yes, praise God, look at Jesus. But look at Jesus' disciples while Jesus is awesome. They're not so awesome. Are they? Are they? Man, they're a mess. Yes or no? Right? What is Peter? Peter's promising. Lord, everybody else may forsake you, but I'll stand right there. We're running away, running away. Right? Cowering to a little girl. Later, Peter's going to stand in front of the Sanhedrin, not in arrogance, no chip on his shoulder. He's simply going to say, listen, guys, whether it's right to serve God or men, you'll have to decide for yourself. But I've already decided that I'm going to serve God. And you can kill me if you want to. I'm not afraid anymore, but I'm not arrogant anymore either. Amen? And what's the difference between this Peter and this Peter? And the answer is the Holy Ghost. That's the difference. The difference is it's not Peter empowering Peter anymore. It's God empowering Peter instead. Amen? Listen, that's the gift. That's the gift. Give nice gifts to each other. You want to give nice gifts to me? Great. You know what I'm saying? Give nice, that's fine. Giving gifts is wonderful. Just don't think you're justified by the giving of your gifts. The gift is a gift to us. The purchase of it was already paid. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I look forward to the promised one tonight. Lord, I am so, so thankful for an eternal redemption.
that's been obtained for us already by the offering, Lord. Because of the offering of our Lord Jesus, I can receive the gift of eternal life. I can receive the gift of grace. I can receive the gift of faith. I can receive the gift of salvation. I can receive all of these gifts because Jesus has purchased them for us. Thank you, Father, that when we could not, you came and did for us instead. Thank you for so great a salvation, so great a love. Lord, I thank you that you have given this to us and allowed us to understand it. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd bless us, that we would enter into it, and that we would not walk by faith, but that we would walk, excuse me, that we'd not walk in the flesh, but that we'd walk after the Spirit, that we would not walk by our sight, but that we would walk by faith. Lord, I ask you to accomplish this in each and every one of our lives. And Father, if there be anybody, anybody here today, Lord, if they've gone to church all of their lives, and yet they realize, I don't have, I do not have this eternal salvation. I do not have this redemption. I have been living on my church service, and that's not enough. Lord, may they, may they repent of that thinking. May they repent of their own good works that, like Cain, didn't. May they repent, though, and receive the forgiveness that's in Christ. Thank you, Father, for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.